Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Linda Armstrong here. Today is Friday, October the 19th, 2018, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, your second daily dose of happy for the day and last for this Monday through Friday work week. But I'm sure you're all looking forward to the weekend like I am and Linda is. And I mean, that's what Fridays are for, right? TGIF, looking forward to the weekend. How you doing, Linda? I'm good. Good is good. Eager for our show. All right. (laughs) Well, we've got a a challenging topic I decided to kind of try to tackle today. Uh, All right. And let me tell you what the background is of it. Um, We have a number of new co-hosts who are joining the show starting this week. including one who started with me yesterday, who is a stand-up comedian, a young man, just out of school, just out of college, and he goes by the uh, stage name Dark Dry Drew, which is, <laughs> you could tell where that uh, comedy is going. Uh, he has he sworn and pledged he's not going to do uh, dark comedy with our show, but uh, he's an interesting guy. We had a really good conversation. And in the course of the conversation, I was getting to know him, and he was getting to know me, and the audience was getting to know him, and he shared a lot of really good stuff about himself. And after the podcast, he and I were talking some more about various things that we can do to get more listeners, because we want more listeners, and we want to get the word out more about the Daily Dose of Happy that we offer here. And he was also, he made reference during the show, and I asked him afterward uh, about... uh, some of the things that are really big for young people, for millennials, because I don't know about you, Linda, but at at 61, I don't really feel like I'm in the same generation as them. (laughs) Not at all, really. Um, But I mean, I had such a great conversation with him and and I like bringing him on. And there's another woman we're bringing on on Tuesdays that uh, I actually did a first podcast with her on Monday to fill in for Patty. Her name is Alex King. She's a a young woman. And uh, we have a couple of other guys coming on who are fairly young, all in the millennial range. And I'm loving the idea of doing that because it provides a a connection to the younger generations that I don't think we've really been uh, reaching out to as well as we could. So I'm viewing this as a very good thing. Well, Drew was telling me what he sees as being the biggest issues from the perspective of young people. And he had two really interesting ones that he mentioned. One of them was lack of role models, which is really interesting. I don't know about you, but um, I I, kind of did a double take on that because, I mean, is there there any generation that doesn't have role models, especially this one that's so technologically connected? But he's convinced that it's actually a problem. He said, look who we have for role models, Um, President Donald Trump. You're like, well, okay, all right, I'll I'll buy that one. Um, But but he he was listing a few other names and he was saying, you know, these are not people that we really want to be modeling our lives after. And he also pointed out to me a couple people I had never heard of, one of whom was named, is named Jordan Peterson, who apparently is a kind of a right-wing um, professor from Canada who has this huge following among young people. And okay. according to Drew, the main reason he has this following is because he's kind of a father image. And I'm thinking, really? You need a, you, you need, uh, there, there's a lack of father images? It just kind of surprised me. But yeah. uh, he's convinced that, that that's an issue. So that's something he and I are going to explore and we'll probably explore with other co-hosts as well. Another thing he mentioned, he said, is really big, and this I can see, is depression. He says depression is a really big issue among the young right now. 
and he suggested that if we were to do some really cogent, tightly discussed topics or, or, or episodes on the topic of, dis- of um, depression, that they could help build up our listenership and, and reach an audience that need that Daily Dose of Happy, um, possibly in ways that the, even they didn't realize that they needed. And, and I'm intrigued by that. So I figured before I even got a chance to try it with him, I thought I'd try it with one of you guys. And since you're up next, I figured, well, let's see if Linda and I can do it together. So that's the impetus. That's where it's all coming from, if that's okay with you. Sure. Okay. Um, before we get started, I want to make sure I get our promos in. First and foremost, if you're not yet a subscriber to the podcast, to get all the good episodes that we do, and we have really, really great episodes that we do every single week, 11 times a week, um, please become a subscriber. It's really easy to do. If you're not really sure how to do it, we have instructions all written out with links, all very easy and clickable on the homepage of our website at LOAToday.net. So just go there and make sure that you uh, just follow the step for whether you're an iPhone user or, or an Android user or whatever, all the, all the links are right there, and it'll just walk you right through the process. And then also, for existing subscribers and for new subscribers, we're also continuing to ask you to continue, for those of you who have been doing it, or to start, for those of you who have not been doing it, sharing on social media channels that you're listening to LOAToday.net because that is also another way that we are successfully right now reaching new listeners. And and we're, we're now trying to branch out in a variety of different ways uh, to reach new listeners. In fact, Linda, I just this week started exploring and kind of experimenting with software that will enable us to podcast, to broadcast the podcast episodes live as we're recording them, live streamed on Facebook. And indeed, yeah, Tom Wells and I did the first one this morning as an experiment and kind of got a few of the bugs out. And um, I I didn't really want to get it going for this afternoon because I had some things I needed to get done with it first. But, yeah, starting next week, we're we're actually going to be doing a lot of live streaming on Facebook, which which should be a lot of fun, first of all. And and I'm hoping if we can kind of get connected to some of the law of attraction groups maybe we can get more and more people who are listening interacting directly with us just by commenting and we can respond to the comments and so forth on the live stream post so there's That's another way a great idea isn't that cool isn't that cool yeah. so yeah we, we're, we're doing some cool stuff here so please become a subscriber if you're not already and please share if you have done already for this particular show and for all the shows that we do because every single time you do that you help us reach more and more people to help them get their daily dose of happy. And with that out of the way, depression. Oh my God. What's that? I'm sorry. I, I said, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually, while you're talking about what we're going to be talking about, I was going through some cards and pulling them. And I just pulled a card, and it says, I don't even know what, it, what this, what it's going to say about it, mentors and role models. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. So we'll, hold on, we'll hold on to that. Okay. You know, Okay. It just, it just, I, I'm sorry. I just, I was like, what? <laughs> well, actually, let's do that one first because I really wasn't planning to, to get into great detail about uh, mentors and role models on this show. But since you got the card up there, let's see what it says. Well, I mean, you're talking about these young kids needing, you know, father images, right? <laughs> or, you know, whatever it was you were just mentioning about that. Okay. So what this card says, I'll just read it to you, is... um for mentors and role models, and this is a deck from Sonia Choquette. You know, some listeners may know of her. She's um psychic medium. Okay. Okay, so it says, if you've heard that being intuitive is a special gift only for the selected few, then you've been misinformed. Once you start paying attention to your vibes, you'll see that there are creative, artful, six-sensory people all around, and they look normal except for one thing. They shine. So they carry a lot of light. 
Hmm. If you hesitate to step out of the closet as a sixth sensory person, a lot of people are afraid to let other people know they have these psychic abilities developing within them. That's what this is about. It says, look for these mentors to inspire you to navigate the psychic highway with more confidence and ease. Seek out public people who demonstrate that being sixth sensory can indeed be graceful, creative, supportive, and fun. Role models for intuitive living are not that hard to find. They're people who are ethical, humanitarian, and spontaneous. Their auras sparkle, they laugh out loud, and their enthusiasm for life is infectious. They listen, follow their heart, trust their feelings, speak their truth, and act on their instinct without hesitation. And they encourage you to do the same. Ask ask them what their secret is, and inevitably they will say, I trust my vibes. Mm-hmm. So interesting because, yeah. um, you know, if we want to get into how things are really developing and changing on the planet, more and more people are opening up to this intuitive side of them. And really anyone involved in law of attraction is opening up to that, whether they know it or not. Fair point. <laughs> it's coming. Yeah. Um, and uh, especially the young younger kids, they really are so much more tuned in and tapped in. And kids being born now are, are like so psychic, but society might squash that. But when, I mean, as far as talking about depression, when you can start to really trust what comes from inside, that's how you start to crack away at this depression thing. Because depression is, in my mind anyway, a lot of times coming from looking outside of you to try to fit in and be like something that you aren't really. And that just makes you cave in more and more and more because you're losing that connection with the truth of who you really are. Really, I look at it like you've given away through past experience. Now, sometimes it's because some traumatic thing that happened in your life and you can't get over it and it's making you stay in this depression. Um when you start to trust your inner knowing and your connection to the things that I talk about with you every week on this show, um, your connection to guides and all that, mm-hmm. you have help on those levels that can really help to make you um, wake up out of a depressed place. So I think it all ties in. I don't know. What do you think? I think it's a good point. Um, I mean, we've talked often about how, I'm becoming personally more and more aware and connected to energy. And yet I find many times that when I try to reach out for help through to guides and so forth, from my perspective, it's like there's a blank wall and there's nothing getting through. <laughs> and, so, and I can imagine there, there are probably other people who have similar experiences. So I know that that's one of the issues that, or sub issues I would say that I would want to explore where depression and other uh, really deeply negative emotions are concerned because if that's one of the, of the things that we know from the teachings of the various people who are our major teachers of the law of attraction is that if you're in a really deep dark place you really can't easily get to that high flying place your vibration is so low that you can't even see it at times i mean it's just like way out of reach so maybe that's part of the discussion right there is how do you reach into that inner being and connect when you're feeling so low Yeah, well, first of all, I think you just have to kind of open up to the possibility, right? And a lot of times for people, it's like saying, yeah, right, maybe it's true, maybe it isn't, because then you're not, that that's like looking at it through this form of detachment, 
where sometimes when you're wanting to to make the connection or hear some answers, um, you want it so bad that that creates resistance around it because you're afraid you're not going to get it. Mm-hmm. Sure. So it's a tricky thing. Uh, and and I find the best way to get through that is just to notice the simple little signs because you're, you know, the spirit world is always connecting with you and sending you little messages, be it through an animal that comes across your path, an insect, repetitive numbers, simple things, you know, um, feathers, coins that you find just on your path as you're walking, things that mysteriously disappear and then reappear again. You're like, well, how the heck did that happen? <laughs> you know, like I swear I put it down there and now it's gone. Right, right. <laughs> this, you know, this is spirit working with you. So where am I going with that? Um yeah, so sometimes, it's, so it's really like you have, it's the same thing with law of attraction. You have to kind of let it go. You have to surrender it. Like you put it out there and and when you try to focus on it and notice it not coming, you start bringing in all this negative energy to it, which makes it very heavy. And then, you know, it's just not going to come because you're not a vibrational match, right? So just like you were just saying, when you're already in a low place, it's hard to just come out of it. So that's why you do baby steps, you know? And sometimes really, from that place when you feel like, well, nothing else is working, it's sometimes easier for people to make that shift because they're like, yeah, all right, I'm going to, maybe there's angels and they can help me. And when you kind of give it up, even in that kind of um, way that like, well, nothing to lose because you don't, I don't really believe it anyway, then it can come. <laughs> <laughs> it can actually come. And then you're surprised and that lifts you up a little bit. Whoa, where did that come from? So, so talk, talk some it. more about the baby steps then, because I think you're right. Baby steps, that seems to be the universal prescription, right? Always, don't, don't try to take the big leaps, take the baby steps. So yeah. talk about what you see as some of the best baby steps that somebody can take if they're in a dark place. All right. So some of the, I mean, it's going to be very individual depending on what exactly is going on for them. Cause I know with the work that I do, I would clear I would work to have them release the energy to number one, if it's obvious what started the depression in the first place, mm-hmm. okay, we would work around that. Um, if you're not even sure, cause you're like, wow, my life should be perfect because I got everything I could ever ask for, but why <laughs> am I so miserable? Um, you can start looking at little simple things that light you up in the least bit of a way. Like I just looked out my window. There was this little black kitten out there. I have a couple of strays around and I've been feeding them. <laughs> and there's this one mom with a couple of kittens. And I'm hoping she takes this little black one in because it's smaller and it's from some, some other litter. It must be because they're not friends. Mm. Anyway, um, I'll look at the, I'll just watch these guys. And no matter where, I, what I was doing before, I get lost in it. Mm. And really I'm getting lost in this energy. Number one, I want to bring the two families together. Yeah, <laughs> you know, sure. bring that little. So I'm like really holding that energy of love and sending good vibes to them. But just watching them play with the leaves or something out there can shift my vibe instantly because I'm no longer looking inside myself at all the miserable stuff that might be there if I'm in a depression, right? I'm looking at something that's pleasant. So even like going and listening to a comedian, right? Or, or going to watch a movie that is uplifting. Mm-hmm. That's, that's like a baby step. It's sure. like, oh, right, you know, maybe for this next two hours, I can forget about my problems and just chill. So you want to find things that are, that you know are, it can make you feel a little bit good. 
and just do more and more of that to shift even in the slightest bit of a way to where you can open more to something else that you can do. I, I think that's right. And and I, I would also want to add that you want to get away from the idea that it has to be in some way related to what's making you depressed. Right? Because yeah, but- those, those, those can be usually pretty heavy duty things. And, and if you're having trouble making any kind of motion at all, I mean, that's why going to see a movie is so good because it really is nothing related to the reason why you're depressed. It's just a way to get you to feel better. And in that way, it becomes a little, yeah. little baby. No, step. absolutely. You're just taking yourself out of that energetic vibe for a little while. And the more you do that, the easier it is then to consciously decide to pull yourself out. Now, I know that sounds like a bunch of words to someone who's really going through something that they experience that's um, pulling them down. But even for the people who aren't really sure what it's all about, like what's making me feel this way, because things get triggered and they don't always make sense. Like you can't always connect the dots when, when you're talking about energetic things. Um, and so it may not be obvious to the person. Oh yeah. Well, I had this car accident and then I couldn't, you know, whatever, or my, my, husband cheated on me or, you know, like uh, I lost my job. I've been in that job for 25 years. Those are things, you know, that could cause it, but sometimes you're not aware of what's linking together the experience that's coming up for you. Mm -hmm. Sure. Okay. And that's why it helps to go to someone who is, is more intuitive because sometimes, you know, we just hook into some image that means something to that. I have this all happen all the time. Not, it doesn't matter whether the, what the person's going through. It might not be a depression, but I'll say, I don't know, I'm getting this vision of, of a little blonde little boy and he's, uh, on the beach and he's getting in trouble, whatever, you know, yeah. and that person I'm working with is like, Oh my God, I, I, I was six years old and I was on the beach and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And they, they, then they talk about this experience. It was not even anywhere near the top of their mind. Mm-hmm. They totally forgot about it. Mm-hmm. But it came up. And even though it doesn't seem to make sense to why you think you feel, why you're feeling this way right this moment, it could have been, it's connected to that trigger. Okay. So it's kind of hard to explain because most people want to be logical and connect the dots. Sometimes you can't connect the dots. There's just something similar about the experience that is bringing up this lower emotion. And let's talk about the idea of a trigger too, because uh, that, that has a very specific meaning, I think, particularly where this is concerned. I mean, you're, it's literally the triggering of feeling down, isn't it? Well, it's like some experience is called up to the surface in your subconscious mind. Okay. It's, you're not aware of this. So a, tri- a trigger could be anything. You might see, um, you know, a blue car pull in your driveway. Okay, seems seem harmless. Mm-hmm. But if you had some repressed memory of something that happened with the blue car that was close to something, I mean, I don't know, I'm making this stuff up off, sure. off the top of my head. Right. But it would might seem like nothing, right? Someone, mm-hmm. And so maybe it brings fear to the person. The person next to them like, what are you worried about? The guy's just making a U-turn, mm-hmm. you know? Meanwhile, they don't know what they're worried about. It triggered something within them. Because there's an association. I mean, that's why it's not so easy to just dissolve it. Because like most, I mean, I I don't know what all the therapies are that are out there to help it, but they don't always consider the energetic component and how it doesn't always make sense. 
to something that you can consciously remember happening. And talk, I mean, talk about that energetic component, because, I mean, the work that you do is all energy-based, and, and you are actually one of the most unusual life coaches I've ever run into because you're, you, you are so strongly oriented toward energy, and particularly the energy that another person is giving off that you're able to read from them. Um, I mean, not that other life coaches don't do anything similar. Many of them do, but you, you're really very particularly oriented that way. So talk about the energy aspect of this. What what role is the energy playing in all of this? And that's, I, I know it's a rather broad question, but, you know, bring yeah, it you, in. You know, my, you know my rather broad answer. Every- <laughs> Everything, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Everything's energy. Everything is made up of little particles of energy, right? And uh, some of that we can see, feel, and touch, and some of it we can't. Like the experiences that create particular emotions and memories within us. So those things may be triggered. I mean, I'm not an ex- expert on depression. So, you know, I'm just talking over my my own thoughts or experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know, at least from what I've experienced, that Everything has an energetic component to it. And when you can re- free that energy from your, like, like in a session, if I have someone actually release trapped energy that's within their body, um, they have a, they have, um, a distinct, feel a distinct difference within themselves once that energy is gone. Do you as, an energy sensitive person when you're working with a client particularly, do, do you feel the difference between, say, a happy, joyous energy and a deep depression energy? Is there a real tangible difference or is it that you hear about what it is and, and then you, you you feel it empathetically like anybody else would? Um, no, I can feel it and I can, I can actually pretty much kind of see it. Really? Okay. What is it? What, um, what is it? How does it look different? I mean, what, what looks different about low energy versus high energy? So you could probably see it for yourself. Okay. okay. So picture, picture your wife when something went wrong that really threw her off and see what she in her mind right now, see how she may look and how she may carry herself. Okay. And now picture her when something great just happened. She just closed a whole bunch of new clients and everything's running smooth mm-hmm. and picture how she looks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you see a difference? Well, I see the difference in the way she's smiling versus frowning. I'm not sure if I see an energy difference. Maybe I do. You probably do because their whole body will show the energy and their eyes for sure. I can, you can, you can see it in their eyes. Okay. You look into the eyes of someone who, um, even if they're smiling, you can see behind it that there's really something going on for them. Well, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I pick it up in a different way. I'm just trying to, um, but I'll tell you this, when people leave my, after I see them, especially when yeah, I could just see a difference in their whole face and their whole demeanor. It's almost like they're glowing, whereas before it was like they were like behind a shadow or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, okay. So, and I, I can understand that. I mean, sometimes we'll attribute that to body language, but there is sort of a glow that people can give off when they're feeling really good that they aren't giving off when they're not feeling really good. And, and that yeah. I can pretty easily see, I think. And I, I kind of suspect most people can see that. Yeah. And how about when you, when somebody's putting on a good face, but you can just sense there's something not right beneath me? It feels fake. Right. Okay. So you're sensing the energy. Okay. And you can see a difference. So 
um, maybe too, because I can also kind of feel it while I'm working with them and I can feel the energy when it releases. So it might not be a good example, but, but I think I, I know that everybody has the ability to do the very same thing. They're just not aware of it. Mm, okay. So what's happening now <laughs> is that the energy, uh, the energy on the planet is really raising and shifting. And so are we. And so we're trying to catch up to it. So even especially right now, some people might feel more depressed than usual or not understand why one day they feel good. The next day they don't. It's, it's just part of this whole shifting of energy and, um, and your body's trying to keep up with it. So it goes through struggles along the way. <laughs> so, so I take it. I mean, you, I, I'm going to guess here, pretty, pretty easy guess. You're sensing this energy, this, this global or this, this planet wide energy increasing. What does that seem like to you? How does that feel? Uh, sometimes, sometimes it doesn't feel good because, you I mean, while it's all happening, just like every time you get a, a cold or you're sick or something, that's just energy that has been trapped within you that's releasing. I don't okay. care what anybody else wants to call it. You're having some sort of a release that's going on um, or a shifting in energy. Um, and it could happen in many weird ways. I mean, I've had some really weird things happen to me before. And good thing I knew that... There's probably nothing scientific, medically wrong with me. Mm -hmm. um, I even wound up in the emergency room one time just to check it out, just in case. But I knew what was going on. But you know, you're not going to be stupid about it, right? Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so I'm going off on a little bit of a thing there, but no, that's all right. Go ahead. Um, all right. So it's, I mean, because because stories are what make it interesting anyway. So yeah, go ahead. Okay. So being that it's coming up, I guess there's a reason for that. So I'll go with it. Um, so. As I've been growing more into my own abilities, and mm -hmm. we all have these psychic abilities, and so many times you don't even realize how tuned in you are mm. unless someone like me talks about it. And you're like, oh, my God, yeah, I remember. I knew that something, something was going to happen. I didn't even know how. Or or I go to pick up the phone, and, and I feel like it's going to be so-and-so, and then it is. Like, I mean, stuff like that happens all the time. Um, and people don't really realize that it's not a coincidence that something that they're actually tapping into that's within the energy field that they can sense. So they just kind of know something. Mm. Right. So that's a little different. But this thing with the energy of the planet changing. And so as I've been evolving and growing into, the, you know, like I did start out just strictly doing law of attraction coaching. But one thing led to the other. Next thing you know, I'm doing this energy work. Right. Right. It just evolved. But I was going to tell you one one particular thing. Actually, these two things happened right close together. Um, and it was the night before my husband had to go to Africa for a world tournament. Wow. We're, we have a karate school. Mm -hmm. And that night before he leaves, I'm just doing my usual stuff and I get up to walk somewhere. And all of a sudden, I had to sit down. Like I couldn't move. I, had, I just fell to the floor. Not fell. I didn't fall to the floor. I just dropped myself to the floor and I mm -hmm. sat there because my eyes we're independently moving in many different directions at the same time. Yeah, normally be... your eyes go, they go together, right? Yeah. You look to the right, you look to the left, you look up, you look down. No, they were looking in every direction separate from each other, like on their own. That, that so would be I, very like, disconcerting. That would, that would be rather frightening actually. So I had to sit down because I couldn't walk. Right. Mm. So I call my husband. I'm, I'm like, Gavin, Gavin, look at my eyes. Uh, my eyes are going in like, many different directions at the same time. 
And and I'm looking at him, right, saying this. And he's like, no, your eyes are looking straight at me. I'm like, no, they're not. <laughs> you're moving in every different direction at the same time. They're, they're going crazy. I can't even stand. He's like, you're looking straight at me. They're both looking straight <laughs> at me, right? <laughs> so I'm like, okay. So I just sat there for a while. And I was just breathing. I'm like, whatever this is, it's going to pass. You know, this is probably just some kind of attunement of some sort. And I don't know what it is. But since he was, so then that passed. And he's like, Linda, you were looking, your eyes weren't moving. They were just looking right at me. I'm like, okay. So we called up some doctor friends because he's leaving for Africa the next day. Right? Yeah, I'm like, right. Well, here I am. Now my eyes are going wacky and I don't know what's going <laughs> on. Um, so I called this one you know, doctor friend of ours who works in the ER and he, he's like, um, so he told me different things to look for and didn't, you know, and we were checking this stuff and, and it seemed like, because I've never heard of anything like this, mm. but it doesn't seem like anything medical that it's not like a detached corny retina and it's not like this and that and the other mm-hmm. thing. So I'm like, okay, that's good. Left we'll it at that. My husband goes to Africa a couple of days later. <laughs> uh, I'm at a store and I, all of a sudden I feel really kind of dizzy. I'm like, Oh, okay. I better get in my car and go home. But when I got to the car, I'm like, well, no, maybe I can, because I was, you know, shopping for some stuff and I wanted to get a lot of things done, right? Right, right. I'm like, I'm just going to go across the street and I'm going to, um, I'm going to just check that one store and then I'll go, and then I swear I'll go straight home. But I get it, I get to that parking lot and I couldn't get out of my car. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Something's really not right. Mm. I'm like, let me try and drive home. And, uh, and I couldn't do that. I, I did like a little U-turny thing and I pulled in the parking lot and I think I had my son come. And, uh, oh no, no. Yeah. Okay. So I just sat for a while and I, I just waited till it passed. I drank some, I had water with me or something like that. And then I was, I think, I, yeah, and I was okay. And I went home. Then the next day I'm still on this shopping quest. Cause I don't know what I was doing. I was, I had some kind of project I was working on and it happened again. And I'm like, oh boy, this is really weird. Mm. So I did get on the highway to try to turn around to go home. And I realized there's no way I could drive. So I pulled off into a parking lot. I called my son and there was an urgent care real, real close by. And I'm like, I'm going to that urgent care. I don't know what's wrong, but something's wrong. I can't drive. Mm. So I go to the urgent care. They're checking me out. They don't find anything wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're like, but let's play it safe. And they, so they send me to the, in an ambulance to a hospital. My husband, my son meets me there and they're doing all these tests and uh they're not finding anything. They do one test and like, oh, we got a bit of do a CAT scan or something like that. We saw something unusual in your blood markers. I don't know what it was. I'm like, all right. Mm-hmm. At the time, I'm thinking, well, what I, you know, I'm telling my husband's not here. My son is there. I'm like, listen, don't worry. Whatever this is, whatever it's meant to be, I'm not, I'm okay with it. And we'll just deal with it. I had a feeling it was nothing, but you know, it's good to check it out. Sure. My brother came because he's like, he didn't want my son to have to deal with this whole thing on his own while get, my husband was away. Mm-hmm. And uh turns out a couple hours later, they let me go. Nothing wrong with you. Okay. So I knew, and I even blogged about this back then. I, I didn't save it because I switched my websites, but um I knew that there was nothing wrong with me. I knew deep in my gut that this was just me, my just me shifting with, whatever is going on in this planet here mm. and me stepping into more of my intuitive abilities. Um, so I, I, I really didn't worry about it and I, I just knew, but at the same time, I'm not going to be stupid about it either. Cause nothing made any sense. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so stuff like that. Now you could get, if you had no, you know, you could get really scared by that without yeah. even 
having like any kind of an idea that I might have that is nothing to worry about. And that could cause you to go into all kinds of who knows what. Mm -hmm. True. Even a depression. Like what's wrong with me? There's got to, then you start hunting down every single doctor who can try and find what's wrong with me. Well, there's nothing wrong with you. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And you're going through all this worry and all this. So I didn't, I didn't worry about it. And it hasn't happened. I had other things happen, but it hasn't happened again. So I don't know why that whole story came out just now, but um, just to illustrate that sometimes, sometimes there's really nothing that really to worry about. So you got to really trust your gut. And that's getting back to finding your connection to this. And so actually the reason why I told you about this thing with the planet changing is that the veils between the seen and the unseen are kind of thinning away. So more and more people are going to start to kind of see spirit or sense spirit or really tap into that their psychic abilities that's growing more and more and more and the young kids are really tuned into that and you know what maybe some of those young kids let this out and maybe tell their parents about these abilities and their parents shut them down or tell them don't tell anyone they'll think you're crazy or who knows what yeah and then then the kid might start to think well there's something wrong with me maybe i'm crazy i'm not normal you know and then it could turn into something that it's not so that's why you never know, because everything's energy. And, you know, if you really are worried that it's a physical thing, so you check it out. If there's no reason for that physical thing, well, you know what? There's probably just some energetic component to it. That's an interesting interesting thought, because very often we could be making ourselves depressed over what science would say is nothing at all. It seems very real to us, but right. not, it may not be anything definite that anybody can put their finger on. Right. And that's going outside of yourself. Like some of the young kids who want to look like the perfect model in the magazine. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? That's putting, that's putting their, their faith into something outside of themselves to dictate to them how they ought to be rather than just owning who they are, finding their own gifts and talents and not having to be like everybody else. Interesting that you should mention that because one of the ideas that Drew brought up is that because of the nature of the employment market today and and the fact that so many of the jobs that are available and the careers that are available are so highly specialized, it's all very niche-based now. Whereas, you know, say, like he said, a couple generations ago, you could have been just wanting to be a doctor or a lawyer or a scientist or a mathematician. Now you got to be a mathematician who specializes in studying astrophysical phenomena in the, the the farthest galaxy away you know not, i mean it's a little bit crazy but the point is that that the, the niches have become so narrow that you either fit exactly what it is that they're looking for or you're eliminated from consideration and he and his friends are finding it to be a little bit intimidating at times because you know first of all they're young and when you're young you don't have a whole lot of work experience so that makes you kind of bottom of the totem pole person anyway and second of all even though there are all these jobs that are open out there you don't qualify for any of them because it doesn't happen to fit what you happen to know and what you happen to love that 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 can also create anxiety and depression because you don't really know how to navigate it and it's not like they have a whole lot of history from you know their parents generation or the generations before that nobody's ever had to deal with this really highly niche oriented job economy before now this is the first time that it's been a widespread thing so something like that something like that i could see that becoming you know a more tangible thing than the one that's 
you know, I, while I can't really pin it down on any particular physical cause, this is a much more, quote, real world experience. And, well, and you know what? And, I, and I'll go to the flip side of that. Okay. And where I see a lot of these young people creating their own niche. This is true. I mean, really, look at all these people on, on YouTube creating businesses, yeah. talking about, in some cases, pure nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> But they found a market for it, and they're having a wonderful life, right? Who knew so, you could sell nonsense, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's why, again, you, so if you're looking at what's outside of you and not seeing your own true gifts and talents and how that could maybe turn into something, because there are lots of examples of people who have made a, a living, a career, a lifestyle out of something you would never have thought of. 30 years ago, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. No doubt about that. And you're right. I mean, you also touched on it a moment ago when I don't remember exactly how you said it, but you mentioned that very often uh, we don't give ourselves enough credit. We're always looking outside of ourselves for validation, yeah. for love, for acceptance. And, and I see that a lot. I see it on the Facebook groups, the Law of Attraction groups on Facebook where a lot of young people come in asking very basic questions about the law of attraction. Some of them come in just, they, they've got some issue going on. They, they have no idea how it's going to relate to law of attraction, but they figure, well, I'll try it here. See if anybody's got an answer. And then they'll spill their guts about how, you know, their, their, their dad's paying, paying them no attention and their, their lover just left them and they just lost their job and nobody loves them. And it's just like this, you know, endless flow of, all the, the different ways that people in their lives are not treating them well or not loving them or not respecting them or not this or not that. And, and you, you read enough of it and you begin to realize these people really have no idea how to reach within inside themselves to find out what they think about themselves and to love themselves right. and to appreciate themselves. And that's what I was thinking of when you mentioned that. And that's a perfect example of something we've talked about, I think, a bunch of times and how the outer reflects the inner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if people are um, not appreciating them, they're not appreciating themselves because once again, they're looking outside of themselves for their answers. So I think a lot of with this big changing of the energy and all is that people are going to start getting more and more in touch with their inner parts of themselves to guide them and not giving their power away to those things that are outside of them that might dictate, no, this is the way you're supposed to do it, but they might have a better way to do it. And if they don't trust themselves, they'll never let themselves go there and explore that. So if you're talking and to a in young... the meantime, oh, they sorry. make themselves feel wrong. Oh yeah. Because, because someone else said, you're, you know, nobody does it your way. This is how you have to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the same people who are, are not giving them the positive strokes that they're looking for are also telling them that they're doing it wrong. So they just got a double whammy, which makes it so much more fun. But, but for somebody who recognizes, at least on some level, that, okay, there's some truth to this idea that maybe I need to give myself some more attention. Maybe I need to give myself a little more love. Like if you're, let's say you're talking to one of these people as a, as a client, right? Um, uh -huh. And it's a young person and, and they are looking everywhere outside for love and for appreciation and for, um, you know, just general self-esteem. What do you say to them? Uh, I mean, obviously you say to them that you want to look inside, but if they're having trouble getting there, how do you help them get there? Well, for one, I'll work on where the, you know, try to get to where that energy originated from in their experience. Cause they might be 20 now and having this experience, but really it started when they were eight. Mm. You know, 
Um, so we'll, we'll clear that kind of thing. But I think what happens is when, and I love working with younger people because they get it and they flip, they transform like easily. Yeah. Isn't that something? Yeah. Because they don't, first of all, they're not, they're not carrying as much baggage as us older people. Exactly. That's very true. <laughs> and because they're also coming in more psychically able and they just kind of need someone to point it out to them and to say, you know what? You, you know what's best for you. It's like, if, if, if they connect with me and I point out that they actually know better than anyone else what is in their highest and best good, it really empowers them to think, Oh, you mean I'm allowed to look at what I want? <laughs> or, or possibly my way of doing this is, is innovative or, you know, works for me just because it doesn't, doesn't work for that person and their thing certainly doesn't work for me. So they start to maybe look at it from, from their inside perspective, instead of giving it all away out there, mm-hmm. you know, to their teachers and, you know, yeah. And that's certainly what we're all trained to do. And today's young people continue to be trained to do. And that is to follow the lead of the teachers, to follow the lead of the older adults who keep leading everybody down the wrong road because that's what their parents did. And that's what their parents did. <laughs> and it's been going on for a long, long time. So it's an interesting thing. If, if what you're saying is true, and I think what you're saying is true, that there is a sort of a global energy raising, energy increase going on. And in the process of, of that energy increase, uh, we are exploring and, and discovering more and more intuitively or psychically or through some other um, sensory similar experience. <laughs> I'm not sure how else, how else to describe it. Uh, uh-huh. Since that kind of thing is happening more and more, it does suggest that the younger you are, the easier you're going to connect to it once you know to do that for the reasons you gave. First of all, because you don't have the baggage. Second of all, because you're young. And, and when what everybody tells us, I think you told about this too on one of the earlier podcasts that we did together. When you're born, when you come into this world, you have that connection. You have that, yeah. that connection to uh, the non-physical. It's clear and crystal and, oh, yeah. and just so, so obvious. And then you're trained to ignore it or to discount it or to turn it off or disconnect from it or something like that. No, you make me think of my niece. Uh, when I first met her, um, she was like three or four. Now she would, this is on my husband's side. She would talk about her parents who live three blocks away. <laughs> hmm. I mean, a lot of times kids come in and they, they still have past life memories that they're still connecting to because they haven't, it, it, they haven't let that part of them go yet or it hasn't been squashed out of them. Now, fortunately, my brother-in-law and his wife were already tapped into this kind of way of being. In fact, his wife is, uh, teaches kids, young kids on a whole, di- outside of the public schools in a whole different way that really empowers them to all of this stuff to know that they are special and that they have their own way of being. And I think even within the public schools, every now and then you see these teachers who really honor the student as an individual mm. and not have them try to fit the mold of everything else. I mean, actually with my son, I, I his teachers were even that way as well. Mm-hmm. Um, not all of them, but no. some of them. Yeah. You know? And you're so right. I mean, there are more and more. I mean, despite the, there, there's a lot of uh, forced uniformity in the overall school system these days with all the standardized testing and all that kind of thing. But there's also, there's like a, a little hidden resistance movement going on in it 
which is kind of interesting because they don't, the, those who are involved in the resistance, as I'm terming it, don't really want everybody to know they're in the resistance because that's a great way to lose your tenure and all that kind of stuff. Right, right, right. But nevertheless, there's like this quiet resistance going on and, and you, you have teachers who are like, pushing the boundaries to whatever degree they can push the boundaries and the administrators looking the other way to the degree they can look the other way <laughs> and all that kind of thing. So I, I think there is, there is a trend that is reversing. I won't say that it has reversed yet, but, but, yeah, the but overall now trend you, has you have firsthand reversed. experience though, don't you all? Because well, I do, within, yeah. yeah. With, with an alternative school and, and, right. and that is really cool to go through, by the way, it's a lot yeah. of fun to, to open a school like that and to really, open things up so that the kids are completely in control of their own day, which goes flies in the face of traditional education in every way possible. But when you yeah. do that, oh, watching what the kids do. The, the best part, the funniest part, actually, is when you first open a school like that. Now, for people who don't know what I'm talking about, uh, this is what's known as a Sudbury model school. And uh, it derived from a school that was created in the Boston area of Massachusetts in what's known as the Sudbury Valley, and the school, not surprisingly, is called the Sudbury Valley School. And it's it's a model that has been adopted by a very small number of alternative school creators around the world, most of them here in the U.S. It's a model that Esther Hicks, uh, she has been voicing Abraham, has lauded tremendously. I, I hadn't even realized that, but uh, Wendy Dillard pointed out to me that there have been a number of workshops where they have talked very favorably about the model. And the reason that they've talked favorably about it is that it's a, it's, I think it's really the only model I've ever heard of where the student is given complete control of their day. There are no required tests. There are no required curricula. It's not like you have to take certain courses. The, the, the kid can basically, they, they can play all day if they want to. They can read all day. They can go out and shoot baskets. They can play video games. They can do whatever they want all day long. And yeah. as they do that, much against what the uh, the fears of the parents are the fears of the parents are is oh they're they're never going to learn anything well actually it turns out they learn a lot of stuff a whole lot quickly. more they they, yeah. they learn a ton but yeah. it, it's really fun to watch them when they're in the early stages so when you first open the school you get uh, the kids trying to play the roles that they played in the traditional educational system where they're pushing the boundaries the only problem yeah. is there are no boundaries to push against and, yeah. and it's almost like a comic opera. Watching, like, uh, there was a, a situation that happened with the school that I helped open where there was this, um, one girl who had, uh, she had broken something and the, uh, the way that the, the school model handles that kind of thing is what's known as a judiciary committee, which is made up of students and staff members, but primarily students. And then the students basically try to figure out what's the right way to handle this. You know, is there an appropriate uh, consequence that comes from it? You know, what, what, how does the discipline going to work? What are the rules of the school? All that kind of thing get figured out in the Judiciary Committee. And in this particular case, it was a brand new Judiciary Committee because it was a new school. We'd never done this before. So I was the only staff member present for it. There were, um, I think, a total of four kids in the room, the, the girl who had caused the problem and three others. And the three others and the girl were all trying to find ways to get me to be the authority figure to solve the problem for them, which is exactly what they were used to in the traditional educational system. And right. I, I knew the model well enough to say, nope, I ain't doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and watching them go through their gyrations, trying to find some way to hand the gavel to me was just hysterically funny. But eventually yeah. they did decide, okay, 
We can't get away with doing that. We can't end the meeting because we've got to resolve this. If we don't resolve this, it actually involved the facility where we're in. If we don't resolve it, we'll get kicked out of the facility and we'll have to close the school down. So this is a pretty serious one. So we've got to do something about it. So they actually had to take responsibility for what are we going to do. And, and just watching their minds as they shifted was really, really cool. So there is help because there, I mean, there are very, very few schools like that, but they exist. And there is more and more of a trend, not nearly as far as what that school does, but it's it's pointing in that direction. And it's encouraging to see that even in traditional schools, you see more and more where teachers are are trying to experiment. They're trying to figure out how can I push the boundary a little bit and give a little more freedom to the kids and, and help them explore who they are in ways that the traditional model doesn't normally let them do. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are schools, I don't know, you know, where, in, I know there are here anyway, in New York area, Montessori schools, Waldorf schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what my sister-in-law teaches out, and she has her own school out in uh, Ashland, Oregon. And uh, it's based on Waldorf, but she just takes it a bit further. Mm-hmm. But now, even in the public schools in, in the town in New Jersey, where I used to live and mm-hmm. where I have my in-person sessions, um, Tenafly, New Jersey, they they brought meditation into the school. I think a lot of public schools really? are bringing meditation into the schools. That's smart. And I mean, they had me come in there and like for a day and just do meditation classes with like the whole fourth grade class after class. Um, and the and the kids were really open to it. And the teachers were like, "Wow, they were so different the whole rest of the day after they did that <laughs> meditation." <laughs> You Not know? surprisingly, yeah. Uh, so, and you know, those teachers really wanted to bring it in. So, there are, and, and they were younger teachers. So, I think this younger generation of teachers is wanting to empower these kids, you know, and help them to find their own voice in their own way. And that's a great thing if that can be done. Last night, uh, Louise and I went out to dinner. We went to uh, one of the Olive Garden restaurants. There's a particular dish on the menu that we'll occasionally get a hankering for, and so we'll, we went out and had that last night. And as we were getting ready uh, to, uh, you know, we, we went to the front counter, talked to uh, the hostess. She put us on the list. It'll be 10 minutes. Sit down in the chair. And so we're sitting down, and there's this family that comes in, family of, I don't know, maybe five or six, something like that, all young kids. And the young kids, two of them start climbing all over the furniture. And the father is like, oh, no, no, you know better than that, you know, all that kind of thing. And you almost expected him to start chewing them out or something like that. And then... There was this one one of the girls who was just kind of hanging onto the furniture, and he was trying to pry her off of it. And you could almost see a bad situation happening. And then, much to my surprise, he picks her up, and he's holding her over his shoulder, and he's blowing into her belly, teasing her. And she's laughing and laughing and laughing. And like, wow, that was a really big difference from what would have happened with a parent-child relationship even 20 years ago. Because yeah. 20 years ago, that would have been chew the kid out, you know, put him in the corner, he's in timeout, whatever else. Instead, right. he turned it into a fun situation and still got her pride away from the furniture and turned her mind away from, you know, the fact that she was basically incon- inconveniencing the other patrons who were there waiting for their tables. Yeah, uh, yeah. What, what a really uh, refreshing change that was. Just yeah, see and you that. see more and more of that. So yeah. it's it's good. Yeah, good things you are know, happening. I wanted to say, you know, because we, we started out with talking about depression and we kind of went well, in the outskirts of it or all around it or maybe intertwined with it. I don't right. know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but, but um, we should get back to it. You're right. But for people who, who do have are really suffering with depression, I think, um, you know, really 
it does help to get someone who you can talk to about the things that are running through your mind who can help you, especially if they're an energy healer and, or something to do with, you know, could be anyone that does healing work. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can kind of maybe shine a light on the things that have contributed to the way that you feel, help to clear that energy so that you can ultimately recall, return back to your truth. And the truth is that you are love. So if you're depressed, you're just so pulled away from that energy, your true energy, which is this higher vibration of love. I mean, that's how, remember we, you mentioned that in the beginning, you come in here as a child, right? Little baby, this little bundle of love. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's your true nature right there. Yeah. You know, that, that yeah. true nature, it may be trained out of us, but like you've been saying, the fact that this, this global vibration raising is happening and it's happening for kids who are, or, or for young people who are so recently kids, that vibration isn't so long ago. That, that uh, experience of being in that pure love place that they were in when they were very, yeah. very small isn't so long ago. And yeah. so it's much more in reach than it was. And, and it, it's really going to be interesting to see what happens as the next generation comes up, the ones that are currently you know, in elementary school, the ones who are, yeah. are really, really close to it. Because if this shift is happening, and you're not the only one I've ever heard this from, so I think it really probably is happening. And at sometimes I even think I actually can, can sense it. So that kind I'm of sure reinforces it for me. Um, <laughs> so if it is happening, then that generation, you know, the elementary kids, we should be expecting some pretty interesting stuff coming out of that because it means they're not going to get so completely divorced from that connection like everybody else has up until now. Well, they're, they're coming in equipped for it or for the changes already, or they wouldn't be being born now at this time. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we're all a part of this big change. You choose to come to your life when you choose it. There's no accident. Uh, even if you think you were accident, your parents didn't plan you. There's no accident. <laughs> it's exactly how it's supposed to be. And these young ones just are more tapped in and tuned in to these changes that, um, you know, that we weren't aware of 50, 60, 70 years ago, so 100 you, years ago. I mean, so so you, would subscribe to the, you would subscribe to the idea then that uh, these the, these very, very young ones are going to find this to be a much more seamless transition. Yeah, and actually, how many times have you given a computer or some kind of electronic thing to like a three-year-old and they figure it out in two minutes? Oh yeah, that's very common now. They just come in knowing. They're already they're already wired with this stuff. Remember, we talked about everything being a, a program. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> okay. so, so this is probably an unfair question because I think I know the answer. But you buy in, you subscribe to the theory that knowledge is not only generational, but it's it's. Uh, throughout the human race. I mean, each generation basically captures all the knowledge that was acquired by the previous generation. And they may not know it uh, consciously, but they're all tapped into it. Uh, I, I guess you could look at it that way. Yeah. Because if that's true, and I, I, I'm seeing more and more evidence that suggests to me that it is true. If that's true, then, well, first of all, it explains why it is that every generation seems smarter than the last one. Yeah. So then let's go, let's go. Let me just say it's because it came in. So energetically, they're coming in already tapped in with the knowing of this new way of being. Mm -hmm. They already, they can already figure out this electronic age because that's the energy that we're holding Mm -hmm. is this ability now to do things this way. They, They come in just knowing it. You don't have to teach them. You really don't have to teach them barely anything. They just know. I've been giving stuff to my son to figure out for me for as long as I can remember. I'm like, I can't do it. You figure it out. 
You know, he's like five and he's figuring this stuff out. So, and I, I can experience it from the perspective of me as a computer person. I've been a computer person pretty much since the, the personal computers came out. Um, that, that was my coming of age time. And today, there are some things happening in the computer world. Up until this point, I've pretty much been able to keep up with everything. Nothing really surprised me. But the latest thing that has come out in the last few years is what they call quantum computing. Maybe you've heard of it. And uh-huh. I have read on it. I have heard about it. And it's the first time I've run into a technology where I have no freaking idea what they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> that shows how <laughs> fast the whole thing is moving along. It's actually surpassed my ability. And I was one of the early ones, one of the earliest adopters of it. Right. Because we're always evolving and changing, right? Because remember, how big were computers? Or like, oh, they were gigantic and they didn't do much. <laughs> yeah. And now they're like, what? The size, size of. They can be, I saw this thing, a telephone the size of a business card. I barely, I didn't even look at it, but I'm like, all right. The the computer that ran the Apollo 11 mission to the moon that took the astronauts to the moon and back would today occupy a small, tiny space in an Apple watch. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's how much it's transitioned. Right. And, and so what's and, next? And, and okay. the person operating the watch wouldn't notice any decay in any of the other functions because that function was running. <laughs> and so what, what comes next? Telepathy. You're just going to know. Do you know what I mean? Like how small can it get? It, it's not going to exist anymore. It's kind of like when you look into the smallest of cells and, you know, you keep going, 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 and then you look inside there and there's nothing there. Like everything's made out of nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, maybe that's another show for another day. I'd have to do some. Well, if we want to go into any depth, it is because we've got about three minutes left. So, yeah, three minutes probably isn't enough to go no. into that one. <laughs> yeah, so that what... might even require that might require some research too to of the science behind it. You know? Oh yeah. But it's out there. Yeah. Well, t- telepathy. I. I mean. Well, I won't even go there because as soon as I start going there, we're going to start talking about it. We're not going to have enough time. So let's yeah. just rewind it a little bit and just try to do a, a little summary here. If you're, fight, if you're fighting or, or dealing with depression, the, I think the primary message that I'm hoping people take away from this podcast is, first of all, you're not alone. Second of all, it's not the end of the world. You really can't overcome this. We've Absolutely. Des- we've described some of the, the processes that you can do here. There are actually a lot more. Tom Wells and I talked about quite a few of them during the morning podcast, too. So you mm-hmm. might reference that one. And I think we're going to do some more on this topic because I'm going to do it with a number of the different co-hosts and get the different perspectives. Because every single perspective brings new ideas and new insights about how to deal with it. It is a very prominent thing. I did some research to find that depression is actually more prevalent now than it has been in the, the last 100 years or so. Um, so it's, it's an important deal and, uh, you know, we'll continue to discuss it and find ways for people to get around it. In the meantime, Linda, I want you to tell people, you know, let's say somebody wants to reach out to you. They like your particular approach to how you can help somebody overcome depression. How do they reach out to you and what can you do to help them? They can go to my website, lovemylife.coach. Uh, they can connect with me in many different ways on that website. It explains all the different ways that I can help them. Um, so that would be great. Then go to my YouTube channel too. just search Linda Armstrong energy healer. And you can see the different things that I talk about there. So yeah, you can, I'm always accessible. Yeah. You're doing a lot with the YouTube, aren't you? I've actually been thinking we should be doing more with YouTube. I mean, we, we post our, our episodes there, but uh, Drew was convincing me that I ought to be taking the episodes and taking like the, the juiciest chunks of each one and putting those out as its own little 10 minute deal and so forth. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great way to grow your audience. I'm meeting a lot of new clients just through that because they get to know me. Right. Um, yeah. And then they feel comfortable with actually, uh, you know, agreeing to work with me. Sounds good. All right. Well, Linda, it's been a pleasure. I hope you have a great weekend and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks. You too. All right. And we'll see you all next time as well here on LOA today. Goodbye, everybody. 